It is Wednesday, January 20th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Championship Week podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me are a pair of guys happy to see the Buffalo Bills back in the AFC title game for the first time since 1993. Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. Mike, I know you were wary of those Baltimore Ravens. Were you surprised at all with how things played out Saturday night? Sure. Um, Baltimore always gets its points. They usually win, and they did neither in this game. Three points for a team that was scoring up in the high 20s, low 30s, even in the wind, uh, was was a lot to see. It was really quite a game, quite a different game than most expected. And Adam, I, I don't need to ask what you think, because I don't think you've shut up about the Bills since Josh Allen opened the season with a pair of 300-yard passing games. Yeah, just Lamar have a pair of 300-yard passing games in his career? I don't even know if that's, if that's true. Did he have 300 uh, total passing yards this year? I didn't Maybe. Check. Maybe. Hey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a great game as a Bills fan. Not so great from a fantasy perspective. You know, the weather they announced, you know, what eight mile an hour winds, and it was like fifty. It felt like, you know, the swirling winds. Hall of Fame kickers are missing, kind of missing field goals. Right? They're hooking in. They're, yeah. you know, they're good. They're not good. It's crazy. How about yeah, that? Right? How about that? The the first kick, the first Tucker miss. Hits the left post, goes yep. through, and then comes back out and across with the wind, the boomerang effect, and then no good. Wild. Yeah, wild, wild game. But I enjoyed it to say to say the least. Yeah, that's the that's the sure sign that the wind is a factor when Justin Tucker's missing multiple kicks in a game. So these Bills now are going to rematch with the Chiefs team that beat them by nine in Orchard Park back in week six. The only game this season, actually, that saw the Bills gain less yardage than they did against the Ravens on Saturday night, 220 in that game. Before we get to that matchup, obviously the biggest question of the entire game is who's going to quarterback the Chiefs, and obviously that's a pretty big deal. The Chiefs looked entirely mortal with Chad Henney on the field last week. It sure seems like Patrick Mahomes is on his way to play in this game, though. He put, I believe he was officially a full practice participant this Wednesday. They called him limited. And yeah. then they released the official report that said full, and then they <laughs> changed it back. So he, as far as I know, he ended up at limited, but I, I am, I guess, 100%. I feel the same way about his chances of playing as I would any other player that I don't know to be injured. Like, I, I think he's going to be out there. I think if they had enough concern about his injury or injuries at this point, that there might be some question about whether he plays, then he's not practicing at all today. And then you're going right up to Sunday before knowing. So I'm expecting him to play. Somebody else could get hurt that we don't know about between now and then, and that could change it, you know, for them. But I, I think Mahomes is out there. Yeah, I think there's, you know, independent neurologists lined up around the block to clear Mahomes to, to, to play for this game. <laughs> uh, and that's, listen, I want it for fantasy. I want it for, uh, as a Bills fan, like I just – no, no asterisks on this one. You know, Kansas City's been playing with fire the last two months, I, f I feel like. So, you know, maybe maybe the Bills will get, get around him this week. You think they're interviewing him to see which one's going to be willing to say yes to Mahomes? Going <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to Mahomes, there's Clyde Edwards-Elair to watch this week. There's Sammy Watkins to watch this week. Both of those guys were limited to practice Wednesday, so we'll see how they trend for the game. Both of these teams ran more than usual in that first meeting. That included Clyde Edwards-Elair's 26 carries. That actually matched 
Mahomes' 26 pass attempts for that game. Again, we'll have to watch Edward Lair to see if he's ready to return. It's tough for me to believe, though, that they're going to give him the ball as much this time as they did that time, even if he's a full practice participant by Friday and ready to go for the game. I mean, I guess maybe we'll get some running here. I think it would be spread around. The Bills also got better on run D over the second half of the season, though. Yeah, I think a good question about it is whether it matters whether he plays. I mean, he had that game, and that was a very unusual game for Kansas City to run that much. Really, they just kept doing it because they were successful. And Stephen Ruiz of USA Today dug up that it was the only game in the NFL in five years where one team didn't blitz once. <laughs> and I'm not saying this as a Bills fan. I mean, I, I wonder if the Bills were playing the long game there with the Chiefs. McDermott and Reed have a history. The Bills had reason to think they could win the division and not place the highest importance on that game. I don't know how far I want to take the thought. It's just for them to play that game the whole way through the way they did made me wonder if they were setting the Chiefs up a little bit. That's what Belichick has done in an easy division many times over the years or has been thought to do. So Kansas City just decided to, all right, if you're giving us that, we'll take it. We the, the Chiefs were ahead from 14 to 10 on and it's a very interesting game. I really don't know what to what to use it for for this game. Edwards Hilaire really did not have another game like that after that and now he's out and I don't know does it matter? Like if if Mahomes weren't injured at all, how much would we care who their running back is for this game or how much do we care anyway? So um that's an interesting situation there with Kansas City, but that first game is really really strange. Uh, in a few different ways. The, the Bills were blitzed a lot, and in a season, Adam, where Allen was great against the Blitz, and that game he wasn't. <laughs> so Kansas City kept coming, and we'll see if they choose to do more of that. Baltimore, I, I think, probably read the notes and realized blitzing was not going to work, so they just played – I expected this. I mean, they just played a lot of zone and soft coverage against Buffalo, and they did well. Yes, man, so many so many things to take from that. So interesting, I heard you talking earlier today about the long game there. Like, did they really foresee a Kansas City matchup in the playoffs week five or six when they played him and they just went opposite of what they're going to do in the in the, in the the playoff game on offense and on defense? Um, the Bills' defense is, is night and day better than it was. It's healthier, it's better. I was the first person killing their, their run defense at the beginning of the year. Um, and it just, it's, it's been better. It's been healthier. Um, so I'm not, you know, people say, oh, the Ravens were going to run it down their throat. The Colts are going to run it down their throat. It didn't happen. And I think to kind of go to that Belichick point is I, you know, it's interesting to me when I watch this bill's defense, they'll come out in games, especially against, against the run game. And they'll give up nine yards, 11 yards, 12 yards, 12 yards. The first drive, they'll get run down. And I think maybe they just want to see what the offense is going to do. Belichick used to do that to the Bills all the time. Tyrod Taylor would take the Bills down. They'd score a touchdown and you think, "Oh, the you know, the curse is finally over." And then they score 40 straight points, you know. So, I think that's interesting that that whole long game theory and I think this game this game here too, I don't know if Edwards Alaire matters in this. I didn't think he was super special this season. I had him in quite a couple big spots and he just didn't uh, overly impressed me. And so I, you know, I think their running backs there can do what Edwards Alaire did. If that's, if that's what their plan is, if their plan is to still try to pound it down the bills throat. Now, um, so it's going to be interesting. Again, the bills defense wasn't the same. Um, the bills offense even wasn't the same. I think Brown was hurt j just coming back. Our, our O-line is different. So um, the bills O-line is different. So yeah, I think it's going to be a me, as long as the weather is decent, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think both teams are going to want to throw the ball like crazy, unless Mahomes is 
uh, toe or, or, or foot is really bothering him and he can't, he can't really throw. But other than that, I expect um, the bills to come out and pass, pass, pass like they did against, against the Ravens. I mean, we only got to see a limited time after Mahomes suffered the toe injury before he then went out with the concussion. He seemed like he was at least close enough to Mahomes for it to not totally change things at that point. I think from a real football standpoint, it doesn't really matter whether Clyde Edwards Elair plays because I don't think he's that much ahead of Daryl Williams currently, especially coming off the ankle or hip injury or whichever was worse for him. I think it matters most for fantasy because there's some Clyde Edwards Elair shares in, in the FFPC playoff challenge. There are people playing DFS at this point trying to figure out what to do. I would try to avoid this backfield unless you can get a cheap piece like Daryl Williams. I don't know DFS prices on him right now, but I think we'll get less running from the Chiefs. I think we'll get a bit more of them leaning on what they like to do more. And obviously they have plenty of talent in the other areas. So I think game flow wise, we'll get something a lot different. I do expect a shootout from this game as well with plenty of points scored. Kelsey remains the safest play, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. and, and even against the Browns, when Mahomes goes out, he still got his eight and 101. I mean, it's just what a season. Mm-hmm. He had the Bills game, and then the game after that, he was quiet. But I look today, every single game. I mean, Stephon Diggs would have been jealous of Kelsey's numbers from like week nine or ten on. Incredible. The Bills have not been so good. I mean, or really overall good at all, relatively against tight ends. I've got to think Kelsey is the meal ticket here. Adam, you like to say all the time, oh, the Bills do not give up the deep pass, and so. I don't know where that leaves Kansas City otherwise. They always get their points. Their implied total is 28 and a half, and that's with some uncertainty about Mahomes and the Edwards-Hilaire issue. So they're going to come – their points are going to come from somebody. Again, we I guess we talked a little bit like this last week with respect to Baltimore. But, I mean, Kelsey – you know, you play in these FFPCs, and week one's a little bit nerve-wracking about the guys who are on by because you just, you're getting zeros and you you know you signed up for that. But Kelsey and Adams both last week delivered, and I think um, maybe they're both still leading plays this week. I think Kelsey is. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I'll be curious to see about the the deep ball game because what maybe what the Chiefs could do is challenge it with Nicole Hardman and Tyreek Hill at the same time, so that the Bills have to pick what they're going to stop there. I'm not sure that they have enough of a pass rush at this point to stop that from being a plan. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It's definitely an interesting game. It should be a lot more points than we got from uh, Ravens-Bills last week. Yeah, it should be great. You know, Kansas City is such a force. Super Bowl champs, if Mahomes is, is capable, then there's going to be this this great matchup. Are the Bills ready for it? I think that they are. I think they certainly can play with Kansas City. I'm not questioning that. You just don't know how things are going to fall in a close game like mm-hmm. this. And both games are like this. And no matter what the Super Bowl matchup is, it will also be like this. Two games this weekend, four conceivable Super Bowl matchups, six total games. The lines are already out for each possibility next week or two weeks, and no line is higher than three. There's there's no matchup possible where one team would be, at least as of now, more than a three-point favorite. That's with Tampa Bay hosting the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So it's really really a nice year for this. Yeah, it, yeah, it's so interesting with Tampa and the Super Bowl, and doesn't it just have that oh for the you know for some of these games and some of these things you know such we got Hall of Fame quarterbacks we've got such great storylines, but I just feel like it's got that you know for the for the Bills it's got that oh four Red Sox feel where it's just they had to kill the Patriots 
the Bills did. They have to go to Tampa Bay and beat Tom Brady. Like it's just the bit, you know, the Red Sox had to go down 3-0 to the Yankees. They had to win four straight to get to the Super uh, to get to the World Series. It just has that, you know, that feel to it where it's just a, you know, a special thing and it's there's going to be the games are going to be really really great. And I just hope the teams come out and I hope everyone play plays their best so we can so we can really have some good games to to watch. Adam, now you're starting to sound like a mom here. Come on. I bet, uh, I bet Aaron Rodgers does not buy into the fate stuff. I think he's going to have something to say about this. Packers, Bucks, on the other side, Green Bay is back in the NFC Championship game for the second straight year. It's the fourth time in seven years, and they beat the Rams pretty handily last week. I basically did whatever they wanted to do on offense, 484 total yards. That is the most yardage the Rams allowed all season by almost 100 yards. 296 passing for Green Bay in that game. That was 22 more than the Rams allowed in any other game. 188 rushing was 52 more than the Rams allowed in any other game. Uh, the rushing should prove more difficult this week from you know fantasy standpoint against what is still the league's top run defense in Tampa Bay. Alvin Kamara did manage 85 yards and 18 carries against the Bucks, though. Uh, maybe Mike, maybe Aaron Jones is in for some impact. Obviously, some impact, but maybe he's. I don't know. Maybe he could fare better than you might think from the matchup. Maybe. I, and they can throw the ball to him, too, if if they need to. He's capable. I, I think with Jones, with respect to FFPC, so I really liked the idea of him on these teams, and I hope the broadcast we've done the last three or four weeks back that up. I mean, I, I like the idea of Jones. I thought the, the right logic was, and I, I think maybe Jared was also in this camp where – you have these sort of usage numbers on Jones, and what really what a lot of what they reflect is Green Bay's having big leads and wanting to use Jamal Williams, even A.J. Dillon eventually, like the Tennessee game, sort of space Aaron Jones out. But come playoff time, it would be Aaron Jones. And I would say thinking that way, watching last week's game, it really wasn't. I mean, it, it was plenty of Aaron Jones, but it wasn't any – you still saw Dillon and you still saw – Williams a lot. I mean, Dylan fumbled in the game too. So last week didn't exactly prove that theory. And I, I just feel like running backs so rarely prove to be so much more than the next running back that I would expect that to be different in this game. Maybe the Dylan fumble, I mean, I don't, don't even know his health status actually. He was hurt on that play too, or he was just, you know, embarrassed. <laughs> but I, I like the idea of Jones in the playoffs because I felt like he would get more of the workload and that maybe they would see Jalen Ramsey. That happened with Adams, and it's still we're still on fine. You know, he still got his his numbers. So I like Jones in the same way I would normally like him, but not more than that. Yeah. So Jones fourteen carries, Jamal Williams twelve carries, AJ Dillon six carries. It's and and <laughs> Jones doesn't get on the field. Does he get on the field for the first drive? I I, I don't even know. I just remember everyone tilting on social media about how. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones, like they're saving him for his free agency, like they're they're saving him for the next team or whatever. But yeah, what a what a, what a massive pe- what a massive a start. And then it's just you know, situations where it's, you know they put Aaron Jones out there and he just looks so much better and he's so much more explosive and he's so much more dynamic. And it's like, man, what the heck are they doing? You know, but yeah, he and he ends up getting his numbers right: ninety nine rushing yards, one catch for fourteen yards, and, and a score. You know, so right, it's fine. Uh, yeah, he's and he still gets there. It's just like, man, imagine if he'd have gotten six, if he'd have gotten AJ Dillon six carries. You know what, what, what he he could have done. But yeah, move, move moving forward. Yeah, you know you don't love him, you don't hate him. You just hope that 
he gets the touches when, when, when it matters down, down by the goal line, the catches, you know, so um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Tampa Bay's got a really tough run defense, so that's going to be a, a problem. But yeah, I think Jones in a game, if they are losing, I think Jones, you know, Matt might know more than me on this one, but he might, I think he's their pass catcher there. Like they're going to trust him more than they would Jamal Williams in, in crunch time if, if they're losing. So, but then again, you don't know what these coaches are going to do with these, with these running backs. Yeah, I think, first of all, six carries for A.J. Dillon is at least five too many. Um, <laughs> I think that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, there's not a ton of separation between what the Packers think they can do. I, I don't know why they don't have Aaron Jones on the field more. I would imagine that I would imagine that if this week is closer than last week, then we get more Aaron Jones in relation to the other guys. But we'll see. I mean, there have been plenty other times with their running backs that we've imagined one thing and it's been something else. Aaron Jones, from from a fantasy standpoint, he looks good this week just because running back looks awful overall. So he's the best running back still left. Mm. So he, he's going to be popular and he should be OK from a fantasy standpoint. It's tough to make a, a much stronger case for many other guys than there is for him at the position. We also saw these two teams meet earlier this season, and interestingly, it was also week six, the same week that Buffalo met Kansas City. Green Bay, of course, jumped out to a 10-0 lead in that one. The Bucs scored 28 in the second quarter, finished with a 38-10 win in that game. I would bet on more offense from the Packers in this one. It's worth noting that for that game, Devontae Adams was just coming off a two-game hamstring injury. Alan Lazard was on IR, did not play in that game. And even Robert Tunyon sprained an ankle during that game. He played through it, but was limited was limited in his effectiveness. So I think all those three guys helped Green Bay this time. I would imagine a bit more productivity from the pass offense. And I saw a breakdown today, and I, I didn't write down the guy's name, but I did retweet him earlier on Twitter. So a good breakdown of what the Bucs did in that game earlier this season. There was a lot of blitzing Aaron Rodgers in that game, blitzing them with the inside linebackers as outside rushers, blitzing their slot corner in that game. And I think that not only will Green Bay be better prepared for that this time, but also having Alan Lazard and having a healthy Robert Tunyon can help because those are the shorter range, middle of the field, you know, hot route blitz breakers, potentially, if Tampa Bay tries that kind of stuff again. Yeah, I think that was Nick Whalen, who maybe you were reading earlier. I've heard him uh, with Rotowire. I mean, I, I feel like those games happen and maybe there were two pick sixes. Like, what are you going to do by the late, by the two minute warning, the first half, the game is over and nothing matters anymore. And, and Green Bay, like the Chiefs, I mean, they had a lead and ended up sort of breezing to the one uh, or at least getting there. By the way, did you guys see Aaron Jones post game after the Ram game? The Rams moved the ball fine. I mean, I think Tampa Bay moves the ball here probably. Did you see the hat he was wearing after the game, Aaron mm -hmm. Jones? So a guy I follow who writes for USA Today, Doug Farrar, he's written books. He tweeted a picture of Aaron Jones with this, this funny hat on. And I'm sitting right where I am now on the air for Bill's Ravens postgame. It's like almost one in the morning. <laughs> and I'm just looking at Twitter during a commercial. And I see this, this picture of Aaron Jones in this hat. I'm like, wait a minute, Doug. Yeah, I don't really know him that well, but we follow each other. Like, I have that hat. <laughs> and so it's one in the morning. So no one says anything. And they're like, no, I really do. And if you, <laughs> if you go look at that picture of Aaron Jones, I don't it's have it. So good. This is the hat. And I just, it's sitting right here, you know, like Halloween or just a fun party. <laughs> and then, so, and then everybody paused and went, that's <laughs> right. They did the Macarena. So I, yeah, I, I mean, see I just, the similarities when you put the hat on too. I put the picture up and then I'm just like, it's one in the morning. Take it down. Nothing good can happen. <laughs>
For anybody <laughs> listening after the fact, instead of watching this, that was a total Three Amigos hat, except with uh, with gold emblems on it instead of the white. Um, but uh, it's something that we should probably all invest in for future. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully he brings it back. I mean, uh, I think Tampa can score. They've they've won two road games already. Antonio Brown is um, iffy, but does that matter? They've done it with two tight ends. What is Tampa's best path to scoring here? We have the Ronald Jones uh, usual sort of drama as well to, yeah. to wrestle with. Yeah, I I mean, I love Tampa. I've loved Tampa all year. They're just, they can be so potent if Bruce Arians just get out of the way, you know, and let, you know. I mean, you just see it again. Ronald Jones just looks so much more. He has a – he had a long run called back on a hold. Just looks so much more explosive than Leonard Fournette that they won't take for Fournette's tripping over his feet in the hole. Like he's just he's not Rojo. And but yeah, Tampa's explosive. They can they can put up points with every with with anybody. You know when they run that twelve personnel and give Brady t- t- time to throw. I don't think the Packers are going to be able to slow them down again. Whether whether withstanding. The Packers are very clever on offense too. So the Packers are going to be. You know, I'm looking forward to a high scoring game here. They're going to move the. They're going to move the ball too. I mean, even look at last week. You know, Devontae Adams. Speak another guy that always gets his. You know, this whole Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams thing we're looking forward to. And then there's trash talk at the beginning of the game. And you know, Adams goes for nine catches for 66 yards and it's in a score. And his score was, you know, there's nothing Jalen Ramsey can, can do. You know, he comes in motion, sprints, jet sweep style, and it's just a one-yard pass to him. And Ramsey, can't, there's nothing he can do. So I think the Packers uh, are going to get theirs. You know, they're really smart about how they get the ball to their to, to their playmakers. And, um, and how many times, too, is, has uh, has Rodgers thrown touchdowns from the one-yard line this year? It's got to be 12 of them. Adams but, is a huge red zone yeah. target. I mean, yeah. it's so, it makes him the wide receiver one, you know? It's just touchdowns, too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's just – it's you know, so I think they're going to get theirs. And I would love – again, I'd love a great game. I'd love both teams to be at their best shootout style. But, again, for the Bucks, who do you start? You love them all, right? You like Evans. You like Godwin. Antonio Brown can splash in here. I hope it's high, high scoring, and uh, you know I'm, we're, we're we're crossing our fingers for for Godwin. So for our for our fantasy purposes, <laughs> I think the Bucks are going to need to run the ball in this one to uh, if they want to have it go in their favor. Because I think if they just get into a pinball match of going back and forth, I think between Aaron Rodgers and the play calling of the Packers this year and having everybody healthy, I think the Packers would overmatch the Bucks in that kind of. Uh, game. I mean, Tom Brady did not have a great game last week against New Orleans, finished 18 of 33 passing. Um, They had a big performance by the defense in that one. They'll need it here. The Packers aren't a slouch on defense. They got better like the Bills during the season and got up to around the middle of the league in terms of efficiency rating. So I think Ronald Jones looks like a sneaky fantasy factor this week. Last week, he actually led Leonard Fournette and carries until the final possession of the game for the Bucs, not, you know, from start to finish. But before that final possession, Ronald Jones had the edge and carries over Leonard Fournette, even though he played about half as many snaps for the game. And then Leonard Fournette had the final five carries on that, you know, game-ending, clock-killing possession. So that was with Ronald Jones still coming off the quad injury, his first game back from it. He started last week not practicing. He started this week with a limited practice. So it seems like he should be healthier. We'll watch to make sure he progresses in that direction. You know, we talked about the week six matchup and how Tampa Bay jumped out to that big lead with the help of a pick six. So it was obviously a good situation for Ronald Jones to get a lot of carries. He had 23 attempts for 113 and two touchdowns in that game. 
I doubt that they jump out to that kind of lead, but I think that they're going to need to run the ball early and keep it going in this game to keep it from being a back and forth type of match. I think that they probably think Fournette can do what Jones can do at this point, playoff experience, you know, coach stuff. He, yeah. he caught the touchdown pass last week. That was annoying, right? Like that's nice. Yeah. That's a nice little catch. Both those guys have had a tough time this year catching the ball. So, I mean, I think it could be like last week where Jones ends up being somewhat of a compliment and a good one. And he got he had bad luck on that that one big run with the penalty. But I doubt they leave Fournette behind. I doubt that it's just Jones's game. I wouldn't expect yeah. that. I agree with that. I think there's actually room for both of them from a fantasy standpoint this week. Again, there's not a whole lot to like at running back. And if we do think that there are going to be plenty of points, you know, there's only four teams left. So I think it's possible that we get 15 carries for each of these guys and they would each have a shot at scoring. Mm-hmm. Anything else fantasy-wise from that game? It's hard to pick on the on the Buck side. Who's going to get it? You'd think Evans, right? You know, he's, he's kind of like Devontae Adams when they get down to the one or two yard line if it's not. It's not a carry. It's usually something about Mike Evans. So Antonio uh, Brown being out would certainly help with that. And then there's room for yeah. uh, tight ends on each side. Again, I mentioned Robert Tunyon. The the Packers were actually fairly tough against tight ends, so I'm not sure it's a Gronkowski game. You know, limited things to, to choose from this week. So you, you kind of think of how it's going to play out and, and try to attack those spots. If Brown is out, Tyler Johnson made the play of the game, that one catch at the sideline. Yes. Rookie. And so Matt was jumping off the couch for that one. Holy cow, was that good. If if Brown is inactive, maybe that means a role for him. And at that point of the game, he basically was. He's basically out at that point. You don't know how much they're going to use tight, two tight ends or, or run it. But if no Brown, then I might, in a DFS context, uh, think about him. Because you're always looking for four teams, as you're saying, Matt. You're looking for somebody that uh, you know you can win with that no one else has. And I would keep Scotty Miller in mind. I don't think that there's an information <laughs> on him, but I haven't checked. But uh, Tyler Johnson has, has played a lot of slot, I believe, for them when Chris Godwin was out. That was his best um, time of the year when he was most involved. But I love Tyler Johnson. I think Scotty Miller would also be a, a potential factor on the outside. Again, if they do go multiple tight ends, maybe it's more of just the two wide receivers. So, But, yeah, that's exactly – what you're trying to look for if you are playing DFS, the sneaky guy, Traquan Smith last week, for example, for the Saints yeah. caught three passes, two of them were touchdowns. I mean, you know, there's some luck involved, but you look for somebody with that kind of opportunity that you're not spending too much money on. Well, yeah. I'm excited for the weekend. I just, uh, I'm also excited for next year. I don't know what your guys, this is our first year knowing each other. I don't know what your calendars are like, but even with the Bills playing, I'm just like, I hear a conversation start about, who who's the who would you pick next year? This guy or that guy? And I'm just like you know, I'm very excited. I am, I am. I did not expect to be. I thought <laughs> I would, I would need longer a longer break, but I have, I'm ready. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the 2021 talk then. And I think that Deshaun Watson is the story that you kind of have to start with at this point. His situation in Houston. I mean, when the rumors started about him potentially getting traded. I was like, there's no way this is happening. It's a huge contract. He's young. Houston's going to figure out a way to do this or at least not let him go. But the more that it is there and the more that it seems that there's turmoil, they might just come to a point where they have to do it rather than just have things deteriorate. Adam, do do you think that Deshaun Watson has a decent chance of getting traded at this point? Where would you bet it? Oh man, I just, I want to say cooler heads will prevail, but it might not matter at this point. I think he'll stay. When you have a franchise quarterback, 
coming from a Bills fan, it's they're they're not easy to to, to get. You know, they spend a high, high pick on him, and I think he's going to stay. I think they'll make it work. But but if he doesn't, there's plenty of other spots for for him, him to go. I was looking at the odds today. So Bet Online has if Watson is traded, where does he go? And 14 teams are 12 to one or lower. No one knows. And Watson will eventually have the hammer on that because of his no trade. So if he wants to push this all the way, he's going to choose which game, which team he plays for next year. And he'll probably get what he wants. I mean, that's how these things can go. So fantasy wise, I mean, there's so, there's so many teams to consider Mm-hmm. Would would Indianapolis be a consideration in the division? Can't uh, no way. It, certain teams like Detroit and Atlanta that are listed, well, what do they do with the older guys that they have? Would the Jets or the Dolphins trade a top three pick? It's really hard to know those answers. Betting it, I don't know where to start. You see one day there's a Mortensen report about Miami. The next day Watson's buying a car in Philadelphia. Like It's just a, a little bit crazy. But I would think there'd be plenty of teams on this list that would be, for him, I mean, for fan- for fantasy purposes, more appealing than Houston. I mean, Houston's okay. yeah, And we don't even know who their coach is going to be yet. So I think that maybe is the number one. I don't know if it's number one. If they have a great receiver or two on a team, then that would be first. But who, who the coach is, what kind of an offense are we talking about? A huge consideration for sure. To me, uh, like an interesting kind of spot where you could see where there's – exciting would be like Denver to me. Like, I just think of, you know, John Elway did it with, you know, Peyton Manning, right? Like he can't evaluate quarterbacks any better than anybody else. So he just goes and grabs Peyton Manning and wins a Super Bowl. you know? So Deshaun Watson there, man, with Sutton and Judy and Fant, and it's out of the division. And that to me would be super exciting. I don't know what the cap hit looks like. I don't know. Do they have the picks to trade for him? I mean, I would give up everything for him to, to pair with all those weapons. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming you're giving up draft picks and maybe Drew Locke, who knows, but, but yeah. Like, Isn't that yeah. important though? Don't we have to know who Houston likes the quarterback to? Like, do we want Darnold? Do we want Tua? Do we want Drew sure. Locke? Do we want whoever else? Carson Wentz? Like you'd have to know that. And they don't even really have everything in place yet for that decision to be made. Yeah, to me, you're just starting over at that at that point. Like, I don't even know if they even need to draft one, or they would just wait a year. But yeah, yeah, Denver and maybe and maybe Pittsburgh too. You know, would be would be a crazy little little spot. Those would be exciting spots for him that are outside of the division that have a ton of weapons that need. You know, if Roethlisberger decides to to, to retire, that need uh, a quarterback. Uh, Mike, do you have a favorite landing spot? And if we don't have to figure out the financial mm-hmm. side or compensation for fantasy purposes. Is there a favorite spot you'd have your fingers crossed for? San Francisco. <laughs> That's mm. what I got down. San Francisco. Great coach. Tons of weapons already. They can do whatever they want with weapons. And once you get Watson, it gets easier. So um, do they have a quarterback? I mean, does Houston want Garoppolo? Who can answer that? doesn't even matter. They can get out of Garoppolo. Yep. You might need the quarterback in a trade. You have to have the picks, which makes the Dolphins and the Jets, you know, they're two of the favorites. If you look at the odds, Miami is the favorite. And it's a lot of picks that, you know, coincidentally they have from Houston. So it's hard to say. But I think the idea of him on the Niners is fabulous. 
I agree. Young wideouts, George Kittle, smart offensive coach. So, and the, the cuttable Jimmy Garoppolo contract makes it more realistic than some other places. I agree. I like that one. If I'm the Dolphins or the Jets, I'm trading a high pick for a 25-year-old proven stud quarterback, and I'm yeah. letting somebody else guess on the college kids. And if I'm the Dolphins, I'm trading Tua to get Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is already what you might hope Tua is going to turn into. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not too worried about where Deshaun Watson ends up. He's been a top five quarterback in Houston with varied combos. Most of the time was with DeAndre Hopkins, but this past year was not, and he was still Deshaun Watson for most of the season. I, I guess the one place that looks realistic that I really hope he doesn't land is New England because they have nothing around the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is right now. So they would need to build up around him. That's the one place I'm not sure that I could just count on Deshaun Watson being a top six quarterback right now. Right. Led the league in passing despite their disadvantages this year, coaching. And, you know, Brandon Cooks actually did a really nice job for, for Houston from that standpoint, too. But I agree on New England. And I think if I'm Houston, then Miami, I've I've dealt with them before, if that means anything. And I think there is still a strong argument for Tua being fine. And now you have this Josh Allen experience going where you can look at Tua and be like, well, he was much above what Allen was over these number of games. So why shouldn't he be at least the player Josh Allen is? Plus in the division, to your last point, if you're the Dolphins or the Jets, Allen is like on right now. It's it's not something that you're looking at as potential. It's on. That's your division now. You had Brady and now you have this. And it may not last half as long or who knows how long Allen can keep up what he's done this year. But I could see a team like the Dolphins, who were close to the playoffs this year, thinking, well, let's let's make that move and let's keep going. And a, and a coach, depends how much power the coach has. I mean, the coach there got a lot of credit this year, but two bad years for any of those guys and it's over. So how much, how confident is a coach like that in being able to, you know, contend for two, like the next, within the next couple of years? That can make uh, uh, have a role in the decision, too. I think the Dolphins are certainly one of the mo more realistic teams for this if he is traded. I kind of think he will be traded. Yeah, and, and I say if I'm the Dolphins, but in reality, if I'm the Dolphins, then I really liked Tua Tungavailoa in the draft last year. Personally, I prefer Justin Herbert over Tua. They obviously love Tua. They took him at five with the injury. Um, knowing that he probably wouldn't open the season as a starter. So they've got to think that he has a bright future ahead of him. So, I mean, from their standpoint, I guess it, maybe it's less realistic. I'm, I'll be very curious to see what they do, because like you said, you have short windows, no matter what you think you have in front of you in the NFL. If, if Tua goes down this coming year and they're sub 500, all of a sudden Brian Flores is on the hot seat. So the, there are decisions to make, and it's going to be the key story to watch in the NFL this offseason. The tough thing is one team at the most will trade for him and everybody else will tell you that they didn't want him. <laughs> right. That's right. So we'll never know. One team that we know needs a new quarterback is the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think Houston's going to trade Watson in the division. I cannot imagine making such a move. I think the only time you trade a quarterback in division is when you're sending Drew Bledsoe to Buffalo because you got Tom Brady to step in or you're sending a washed-up Donovan McNabb to Washington. I don't think you send 25-year-old stud to a division rival, but – Philip Rivers announced his retirement this morning. Jacoby Brissett is headed for uh, unrestricted free agency. So the only quarterback that they currently have coming back under contract is Jacob Eason. 
even the Colts don't seem to think that he is a real starting possibility for 2021. So it's, it's wide open in Indy. Adam, what are you looking at here? And I guess, what are the fantasy concerns? Yeah. So, I mean, fantasy concerns, maybe for the receiving core there, you know, I don't know. It's, it, Hilton's over, over the hill on it anyways. So, you know, I, I wasn't big on Hilton this year and he was going in like the seventh round anyways. And I can't see him going in single digit rounds unless they make some splash at quarterback there. But yeah, I mean, they might just have to have a re, have a rebuilding year. I mean, you hear Carson Wentz, you hear, you know, a bunch of different uh, options for them, but it's so early. Cause he just, he just retired today, but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to have a transition year. They, they don't have the high pick to go draft at that quarterback, you know? So we'll see. I mean, the passing game wasn't prolific this year. I think Jonathan Taylor will be, will be fine. Um, I think the O line, if they keep that that elite O line intact, will be fine, and that'll be helpful for a young quarterback too. So Brissett could stay there, Eason could could step in. You could have a quarterback competition there. Um, I think if they don't get Wentz, I think it'll be uh, uh, an internal quarterback competition. And I think you know for a for a team that that doesn't have amazing receiving weapons, right? I think they're they're built to at least to be able to evaluate a quarterback, right? Brissett doesn't need any more evaluating, but maybe Eason and, and to be able to, you know, they got the old line there. They got the running game there. Obviously that's a little antiquated, but um, the, the running game, but yeah, let, let them compete for it. And then, kind of go trade up maybe next year and get, get yourself a quarterback um, if they can't go out and find a way to get to, to get Wentz. Cause I do think Wentz has some life left on him. I think he just needs uh, some new, uh, some new a- a- atmosphere, some new administrators and some, some new teammates. I just don't think Carson Wentz's contract, it makes for a realistic sure. move this off season. I think that the, to me, the part of the Eagles dumping Doug Peterson, I don't really know behind the, the scenes stuff, but I have to imagine that the Carson Wentz saga kind of factored into Doug Peterson getting dumped because things had gotten bad between the two of them. We'll see. I mean, you never know. NFL does goofy things. But to me, that contract looks difficult to move because it would just crush a cap that's already in bad shape in, in Philly. I would like to point out too, Mike, before we get your take here, that Indy could have far less interesting a path here if they had simply taken Jalen Hurts instead of a running back and then a wide receiver in the second round, both of whom they took with Jalen Hurts still on the board this past April. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think if Indianapolis wants Wentz, they'll probably get him because of the contract. And I could see them wanting him. I think that team is thinking about winning right now. That's the coach. That's the organization. They just had a good year. Step forward. Now what? Our our 39-year-old quarterback retired. Now what? Chad Kelly at the longest odds is interesting Mm. because I think he could be considered and and have a chance to compete for that. But I think if Reich wants to go back to Wentz, if if he's that kind of confident in him, I think there's probably a a very favorable trade there, like an NBA sort of trade where the, the Eagles pay the Colts for the, you know, the privilege of taking Wentz off the team because of the numbers. And then I think that's a really cool story. And then it's Hertz. I, I had dabbled in Hertz in Dynasty last year, and it was too late for it to matter on my teams, but I'd really like to see him get that opportunity to start for Philly. They'll have a new coach too. So I think Wentz is a possibility in Indy, and I think Chad Kelly is a super long shot as well. After that, I don't know where to turn. I, I think Wentz could happen. Man, I love the fantasy upside on Jalen Hurts heading into the draft, and I was angry that he ended up with the Eagles, who seemed like they were in excellent shape at quarterback this time last year. There are lots of other potential options available. Marcus Mariota 
has one one year left on his contract with the Raiders that they could get out of for no cap cap hit or keep him at $10 million, which seems unlikely to me for a backup. Jameis Winston should be a free agent. Andy Dalton could be a free agent. Matthew Stafford could be looking for a new home if Detroit decides to move on or or free Matthew Stafford, who probably deserves it at this point. It, it should be a more interesting offseason than it usually is at quarterback. And really, Nick Foles is another guy whose contract is not quite as bad as Carson Wentz's, but another guy who has familiarity with Frank Reich who could be in play here. And that's a good list. Those are all names on the board for who will start for Indianapolis. And there's one more player whose team is the third favorite to land Watson, and that's Carolina and Bridgewater. So I don't know what Carolina wants to do there. They might want to try to upgrade there. They had a nice year offensively overall, but I I would not assume that they think they can win big with Bridgewater. And if if not, then he could be flipped. So maybe that's Indy too. Another quarterback situation that is changing, most likely Drew Brees. He has not made it official yet, but it, it sounds like he's retiring. He looked like a guy who was watch, who was leaving the field for the last time at the end of Sunday night's game against the Bucs. And not long ago, you would think that there would be a big question of who would succeed him, but it sure looks like it's going to be Taysom Hill now. The Saints paid him last offseason like he was going to be that guy. And then still none of us believed it when Drew Brees got hurt. We all thought it was going to be Jameis Winston. It was Taysom Hill. He played fine through four games. And with a $16 million cap number for next season, I mean, it looks like he's going to be the Saints starting quarterback for 2021. We'll see about beyond that. I would think so, too. You know, he, he there's a lot of Taysom Hill critics, but... From a fantasy standpoint, I'd love to see it. Hill starting for the Saints is a great discussion, just like it was this year, but on a smaller scale. Do you trust it? How many touchdown passes is it? What does it mean to Michael Thomas if he's not dumped already? Like he'll he'll be a very interesting player to talk about in on draft boards, Michael Thomas, you know, where to put him in with so many receivers offering a lot to like. So I don't have I don't have any shares of Taysom Hill, but as a fantasy player, I, I hope he's the quarterback of the Saints. I think that will be really interesting to watch. And um, with his running, somebody's going to buy low on him, be able to do that, and maybe do really well. Taysom Hill certainly looks like a fantasy winner. Adam, where are you at on uh, a Taysom Hill offense in New Orleans next season? Is Taysom Hill better than Lamar Jackson? Like, probably not. But Lamar Jackson has Greg Roman tied to him, and all they want to do is run, 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 run. And Taysom Hill is like he's in the exact opposite of an of an offense, right? They want to they want to get creative. They want to throw it. They want to you know line up all Michael Thomas all over the field. And so, yeah, I think if Michael Thomas is is, is back and everything's the, the same, Taysom Hill is 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 great. He's fine. You know, he had a great stretch run this year for teams. And but I don't I don't know I didn't know if you guys brought it up yet, but you know Drew Brees told. You know, Jameis Winston, it was it was his team, you know, on the sidelines there. They caught him lipping like, oh, yeah. this is your team now or something. So who knows? You know, who knows? I mean, listen, Winston wouldn't be bad for fantasy football either. I mean, you saw what he did in Tampa. He's going to sling it all over the yard. So, in fact, he'd probably be better for the receivers on the team fantasy-wise than Hill would be because Hill is going to run more than more, more than Winston. So hey, last weekend, only Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady threw more touchdown passes than Jameis. Than Jameis Winston. That's right. That's <laughs> out there slinging it. So – yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a fun thing to follow this this offseason, see what see what direction they're they're going to go and and kind of go from there. 
The $16 million cap hit tells me it's going to be Taysom Hill. I don't think that Drew Brees, unless he becomes the GM, and I think they just hired somebody else. So I think Drew Brees is going to be on TV talking about how maybe Jameis Winston should be playing. But I think it's going to be Taysom Hill starting at quarterback. And as soon as Drew Brees' retirement becomes official, if I have Taysom Hill and I also have another quality quarterback on my dynasty roster, I'm going to go ahead and try to trade Taysom Hill because he's already 30 years old. His contract only runs through this coming season, and I don't know how he is as a starting quarterback. We got four games. One of them was a throwaway against the Broncos. He might be terrible. He might play his way out of the job, especially if they bring back Jameis Winston in the coming season. So I would I would sell high on that if there's the opportunity. I'm not saying unload him for whatever you can get, but if you can get somebody who needs a quarterback and who thinks Taysom Hill is about to be very good in fantasy, which he certainly could for a season, I say sell high on that. Michael Thomas, to me, is more of a buy low, regardless of what happens at quarterback, because we saw him still dominate targets when it was Taysom Hill for a quarter of the season. And he's still only about to turn 28. So Michael Thomas, he's, he might be a jerk off the field. I don't know. And on the field, he's catching passes from whoever's throwing them. So I'm not so worried about that. And I think he's got this offseason to get healthy. I don't think the physical issues from this season, they don't look like they're going to be long-term lingering challengers to his productivity. So Jameis Winston, like if he's not going to be the starter there, like there's another option for a team like Indy, right? If he stays there to me, rather than getting rid of Hill, I would rather just add uh, Winston. And then you've got a QB one, no matter, no, no matter what I think. So, uh, cause you can probably get like, if Jason Hills announced the starter, you could probably get Winston for next for next to next to nothing, you know? So rather than get rid of the saints quarterback, I'd rather just have them both and then start whoever the starter is and kind of go from there. That's, I don't know. That's, that's the angle I, w- I would take with it. Would you trade in dynasty? Would you trade T Higgins for Michael Thomas? No, e- probably that's not the quarterback. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. No. What about Deontay Johnson for Michael Thomas? I like T. Higgins better than I like Deontay Johnson right now. So you'd rather have both Higgins and Johnson than Thomas? You think? I think I would. I don't know about Johnson because I don't know who the quarterback's gonna gonna be. You might have to get one more year out of Big Ben, but I think I would lean Thomas over over Deontay Johnson. What about Allen Robinson? Where's where, where's he going? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you. That's right. <laughs> He's going somewhere where he can be the number one and where there'd be nobody making fun of him anymore for how bad his quarterback is. Mm. So I want to say Baltimore, but that would mean you would still make fun of him for how bad his quarterback is. <laughs> That's and right. I would never. So maybe it's not Baltimore, but there, it's going to be so much fun this year to see where some of those wide receivers it's, land. I, oh. I think I'm – getting ahead of myself for our conversation. 100%. 100%. So Godwin, right? Like, Ugh. there's so many guys going to move. I mean, Mike, I don't want to, you know, push you off the edge here, but I've got Fantasy Mojo ADP up right now from 2021 January best balls. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we can we can just – I can just tell you where they're getting drafted, but, I, you know, I don't want to – I don't want to push tell you over me. the edge. I mean, if Matt's okay, I just, I, I'd love to know. I, I haven't looked at that. I mean, Godwin's middle of the third. Michael Thomas is going in the in the second. T. Higgins, fifth round, you know, so we don't want to give up too much. But, yeah, I mean. Are, are you guys in any of these drafts yet? I'm not. Not, not yet. yet. I'm about no. to. No. Are you? <laughs> Matt's signing up right now as, as we speak. Yeah. So, I mean, any time of year, there are certainly advantages to to jump on. And right now, one thing that looks like it's happening is running backs are a little bit less – popular in round one than they were last year but 
over the first three rounds. And at least, you know, I looked at the one draft that Darren Armani fantasy mojo did share on Twitter and it had fewer running backs in round one, but it had 19 running backs gone by the end of round three versus 16 last year when we all thought it was running back crazy. So that's the kind of thing that makes me want to jump in. If people are taking Antonio Gibson in the third round and every other second year running back by the middle of round three, I'm like, yeah, I'll go ahead and jump in on that and and get those stud wide receivers there right now before anything changes. And yeah, I'm definitely already excited after just seeing the little bit of it that's out there right now. You know how they have that button on the FFPC at the bottom? I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. When you go to your account page, you can lock your account for like three months. <laughs> like I don't see any of any of us doing that. <laughs> are these the are these thirty five dollar teams, or do they have them higher? I think I've only seen thirty five dollar ones, but okay, they might be higher. I can find thirty five bucks. There you go. <laughs> I got coats with thirty five bucks in them right now. Oh. Oh. Matt, it sounds like you need to get off this podcast and just invite nine more guys. And let's just you don't even you don't even know what a sore subject that is. The coat pocket money. You want to know that, or should we save that for uh, for my show? It's a very sore subject. I I thought it would be genius, so I started putting twenty dollars every week. I guess I was doing pretty well that year. I was putting twenty dollars every week in my coat pocket, based on the premise that I will not wear this coat for like six months, even in Buffalo. I will not wear this coat for six months. And after six months, I'm going to have like $400. So <laughs> I was putting $20 in it, $20 in it, $20 in it. Then I got lazy and I'm like, why do I have to actually put it in the coat? I know what I'm doing. I'll just put it in my glove compartment. <laughs> so I moved all the money because I wanted the posterity of having the full amount in my glove compartment. I moved all the money to my glove compartment. Then we took a family trip to Toronto. Valet Park. Got the car back two days later. Money was gone. That was gone. The other <laughs> Coat bank. What a tip. Is why Mike is on the radio and not working in banks. <laughs> oh, look at me. <laughs> so let's move on to some more of the 2021 talk. And not try to get financial tips from Mike here. There are a lot of other quarterback situations to sort out, but those we can talk about another time. Let's move on to teams that are making coaching changes. And Seattle, we already learned, I think it was last week's show we were talking about it, where they they fired Brian Schottenheimer. Now, because he won't run the ball enough, we always hated him as fantasy owners because he was running the ball too much. But now it sounds like the Seahawks want to run the ball more. Brian Schottenheimer was like, no, we got to let Russ cook. And Pete Carroll said, "Uh, see you then. So, Mike. What are you watching for here? What are you hoping for? Or what are you worried about with the Seahawks? Well, Adam Gase is the most exciting name for that opportunity. There's there's Anthony Lynn. I mean, the names already make you think that Carroll isn't kidding. And so I I think it's troubling for the Metcalf owners. And of course, Wilson too. But you had Seattle was so hot. Mm -hmm. For the first six or seven weeks, This the, the one thing you heard every time was, Oh, did you did you not know that Russell Wilson had never gotten MVP votes? And then by the end of the season, nobody was voting for him anyway. And it wasn't because Russell Wilson got worse. It was just that they couldn't live with themselves throwing the ball for touchdowns all all the time, you know? So let me ask you guys, because I'm not sure I want to say yes. Is Metcalf a sell? When you look at the Seahawks and how this is going and how the second half went, like if you had Metcalf, Metcalf, you're, pound, you're pounding him in your lineups 
all the way down the stretch. And how did that go? At, at, at a time, I think, in the middle of the season, he was just about – I was hearing shows where they were talking about him as the 101 in dynasty startups. What is he now, and could you get off of him because of how that's developed? That That's a good question, I think. He's not a sell to, to me as long as he's tied to Russell Wilson and that and that deep ball. If we're talking about is he going to get enough volume, you know what's his floor? A, you know AJ Brown, you know I'm okay with that. Um, I would like better. He can be better. He is better as far as a fantasy player. But yeah, it's sick that they're bringing in running backs coaches to interview for the head coach for the O coordinator position. Uh, I think Metcalf and Russ Wilson are going to outlast Pete Carroll there, and I think. You know, hopefully it's not too late for them. But yeah, it's I'm not I'm not selling him unless I'm getting something something crazy for him. You know what I mean? If someone comes to me with an offer, but I still believe in the talent. He's young. He's a stud, and him and Russ are great together. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't call DK Metcalf a sell overall. I think what's interesting is that there is all of a sudden this large group of really good looking young wide receivers, and it can go from I don't know number two, maybe one or two, even in the dynasty wide receiver rankings down to, you know, 20. I mean, T Higgins, how far is he behind? DJ Moore is still young, even after several seasons. So I think where I would consider Metcalf, I wouldn't call Metcalf untouchable. I think many dynasty owners are going to treat him as he's untouchable. I would be interested in a package that say includes another stud young receiver on the other side plus more around him because I think that I could get more in return for Metcalf there you know I'll I'll just say T Higgins here uh in particular because he's somebody who maybe didn't deliver the 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 numbers as large as he might be capable of whereas you know Justin Jefferson how much higher can he climb he's always going to be good um but we've already seen it so nobody's selling low on Justin Jefferson so maybe you get T Higgins a little bit lower you add a bunch of things to that you sell it for, or you buy it for DK Metcalf plus, you know, barely anything. That's where I would see DK Metcalf as a potential sell in that kind of scenario. Yeah, that's good. Carson is a free agent there. I wonder if all this means that there's a stud running back going there. A lot of those guys were signed, but Aaron Jones, I mean, for somebody, do the Seahawks want to... <laughs> yeah, well, well I've, I've been waiting for four years, or it seems so. But... I, I wonder what they do there. What does this sound like? So 12-team PPR, Dynasty, Metcalf, or the 101 this year? You would probably take Metcalf. Where? What pick in a draft do you think is about equivalent? Well, no, I guess that, that answers my own question. Would you not trade any pick in a in a rookie draft for Metcalf? I like your answer, Matt. I'm, I'm throwing that at you. I, I like what you said, the package. You know you you know his reputation is strong, and you try to get more. If you want to try to see, you test the water, and you see if you can do better, then uh, that makes sense to me. I just wonder exactly how to gauge him. Well, yeah, the fun thing about Dynasty, too, is you have different, you know, uh, you might not be looking to trade Metcalf because, you know, but then all of a sudden someone – in your league loves, loves, loves him and is willing to give you players like, Hey, you know, I'll give you, you know, T Higgins and Kenny Galladay. Cause I don't know where he's going. And it's like, Oh, all right. Like, you know, if you're, if you love him that, that much, that's what's so fun about dynasty is you just don't know, you know, if, if you're, if you're thinking about it, you can always dangle him out there and see, but, but for just a straight one-on-one pick and a rookie, I wouldn't do it. That's right now. Now, if chase, 
who's my favorite receiver in the class. If he goes to a, a great situation there, if you if 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 you love Chase, or if you love the kid out of Alabama, and they go to a to a, to a great quarterback, you know, then 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 you can change your mind. There's there's more more information there. But for right now, I'd probably just just lean lean DK. Bottom line is Metcalf is he just turned twenty three, and you know how good he is, right? So tough to yeah. tough to get off that. I would be willing to give any rookie pick to get DK Metcalf at this point. I'm not the the hugest DK Metcalf fan, but I would be willing to give any rookie pick because we already know that he is a stud. His quarterback talks about him potentially being one of the greatest receivers ever. So if Russell Wilson believes in him, I'm going to trust that over the OC. And if they bring in an OC and it stinks and bombs this year, after this year, it's probably going to change again. And then all of a sudden we've got DK Metcalf in a potentially better situation. And really, I mean, he can produce even if the offense is bad this year. We, we saw that over the second half. It wasn't great, but he didn't crater for us either. So I wouldn't panic, certainly, on Metcalf this year. I'll certainly, just for the sake of, you know, best ball drafting right now, I'm certainly not touching DK Metcalf where I probably would have to take him in a best ball draft at the moment. Is he, um, I'll just guess, maybe you're looking at it, uh, Adam. Is he around wide receiver five? Well, that's interesting because I showed that mock draft we did a couple weeks ago. I took him at the 112 as the wide receiver five, um, and I took Diggs right in front of him. So right now he's going as the wide receiver seven. So, yeah, but again, that was a couple weeks ago, new offensive coordinator coming in. But, yeah, I think he's going to settle in into, into the second round, I think, probably in, in, in drafts. And and I think that's I think that that's that, that's fine as far as redraft. Let's move on to the running backs now. We I, I alluded to the second-year running backs. They, they're they going early. You're going to have to take Jonathan Taylor in the first half of round one, at, at least right now. We'll see if that tempers as we get further from the season. But, I mean, I, I thought Jonathan Taylor was going to settle maybe like Nick Chubb range earlier this year where he was going sometimes in round one, uh, more consistently in the first half of round two, Josh Jacobs range. But there's a lot of excitement for Jonathan Taylor. He looks like he'll be a first-round pick. Sam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Clyde edwards Lair, James Robinson, a surprise member of this class that we weren't considering a year ago this time, Antonio Gibson. All those guys are going to be within the first three rounds of most drafts, most likely. Mike, do you have any favorites among those, you know, not just from – not just overall, but I guess versus where they're going to go? I think I do. I think it's Swift. Uh, I've got – Two fundamental questions that I'm I'm confident enough in answering uh, right now about him. One is, is he good? Yes. Two is, new coach, Dan Campbell, big buffed, probably going to be a run coach too. A six-year deal. What was that negotiation like? Did they offer him... Nine and he's like, what, 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 what happened? How did, how does Dan Campbell get a six-year contract? No, that that negotiation was them saying six years and him giving a spit take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a great deal for that guy. Whoever he is, whoever he proves to be, he's not going to be Cliff Kingsbury, or at least the idea of Cliff Kingsbury, where you're you're talking about McVeigh, you know, super young and this and this and this and this. There's talk about like Stafford is on these betting lines about going to Indianapolis or moving. And so while I think all the pressure in the sport is sort of against establish the run and all that, they just put a high enough pick into Swift and you know, he's good. They know he's good. What didn't happen this year for Detroit? One thing is they compromised with him. So, I mean, I think Taylor is great. I think Dobbins should be fine too. Ingram is gone. We know that the coordinator is the same. 
maybe Dobbins is the right answer, or maybe Akers is even the right answer. But Swift is right now for what I think the price will be, and I don't know what that is, but I feel like Swift is the one I want. And are you willing to take him in round three? Probably. What's my team right now? Tell me what else has happened. <laughs> are you talking about uh, your game? I, I think so. I mean, let's say I'm picking one four and I'm on You took a running know. back and you took a wide receiver with your first two picks. I went Camara and then I went Metcalf. Boom. Yeah, yeah. I think Swift is a uh, I think he's fine there. I mean, well, I think right. his numbers go up next year easily. Yeah, right right now you're not getting him in the third round. So according to some ADP that I'm looking at. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And, and the thing that stands out that you said to me, Mike, and it just makes me is they know he's good. Like, does that even matter? Like, did they, do they know he's good? Like you drafted him. You're right, Mike. He is good. And then they go out and pick up Adrian Peterson. Like, what are you doing? They <laughs> did that before they knew they should know. I don't know. Rational coaching, right? Where's Sigmund? I mean, they they should know that he's good. You have new people in there, new sets of eyes. Sure. I, I want to think that they get there, but yeah, yeah. And to to me, I guess we're doing this thing where you know, is he worth like to me? Taylor is the best of the bunch. But are you you know would you rather have like you said Swift in the late second, early third, or would you rather have Taylor in the in the, in the first? You know, so that's where that's where it's it's, it's questionable here. And you know, to me, Dobbins, I'm not going to be as high on Dobbins. To me, it's about offensive line, you know, and it's about schedule and it's about catches with these with these guys. So those are kind of the tiebreakers to me. We don't know what they're what those are going to look like for all these guys yet. We know Dobbins is probably not going to catch a ton of passes there. You know, um, Edwards Alaire, are they going to trust him with a with a workhorse role? You know, so I you know I still lean towards Jonathan Taylor because um, I just think it's talent plus opportunity. Plus offensive line, you know, they're going to keep feeding him. He catches the ball. He's, he's, he's a stud, but I'm not taking him over, you know, I'm, I'm not probably not taking him over Barkley. I'm not taking, probably not taking him over Henry, but yeah. So there's, there's, this is such interesting stuff to see Antonio Gibson, uh, you know, probably not at his ADP, but yeah, we'll see. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more on the receivers, I think coming up th- this year, because I just think outside of injury, they're just safer because all these different things can happen. Um, you see it, Mike. You see DeAndre Swift's the best running back there. Everyone in the world sees it, but the coach is just whatever. It's new coaching, but I'm just using that as an example uh, for all the other running backs that we're talking about. I think I'm taking Jonathan Taylor over Derrick Henry. Yeah, could be. Again, it's it's could be splitting hairs there. And it, I know this is one of the hard things, too, when it comes to drafting is, I don't know if you guys struggle with this, is I hate when I'm on a guy, right, the year before and getting him at a – like this was Godwin last year. Or like I loved Godwin, had it get it, got him everywhere in the fourth, in the fourth round. And the next year, it's like, oh, I got to spend a second on him. Like you know, Taylor, I love Taylor, got him everywhere in the second, third, and fourth. Oh, I got to spend a, a fifth, a fifth overall pick on him. You know, it's hard to do, but yeah, I could certainly see. And listen, I'm gonna be enough drafts where I'm not taking, you know, Henry every <laughs> time. You know, I'm gonna get a little bit of both of them. So that I know. <laughs> That's right. The thing that scares me about Taylor right now is not knowing who the quarterback is going to be. And it yeah. matters for the reception. Receptions. Philip Rivers was as good as it gets for running back receptions. And if, let's say they signed Janice Winston, that's not as good for running back receptions. So Correct. with where I would have to buy him, I'm probably not in right now. And that's why it's good to draft at different times throughout the year. Because, you know, maybe Jonathan Taylor slides now that Philip Rivers has retired. Maybe you 
surprisingly get him early in round two. I would go ahead and take that at this point. If you guys are sitting there, though, at five, let's say, in the first four picks, McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook, and Sa- Saquon Barkley. So you're at five. You've got Taylor. You've got Derrick Henry. You've got Travis Kelsey. And an F- it's an FFPC draft. Who are you guys taking at five? Adams. Ooh, I love it. I'm taking I'm taking Henry, I think. Just right now. You know, I could certainly see taking Kelsey. I'll be I'll be fading Kelsey at five, I think, too. But can we can we play this all the way back around? <laughs> yeah. So let's let's say I take Adams. Can we do this for memory? I'll I'll do my best here. McCaffrey, Barkley, Cook, and Camara, right? That's our top four. Yes. Uh-huh. Let's say I take Adams at five. Adam, what are you doing at six? Henry? Is Barkley gone? Yeah. Yeah, Henry. All right, Matt. <laughs> it's probably uh, – is Kelsey still on the board now? You you brought it up. I'm taking Kelsey. All right, so then it's Kelsey. So what have you got on those FFPC drafts? Adams, Hill, Elliott, Chubb, Diggs. So Hill, eight. Elliott, nine. Chubb, ten. Yep. Diggs, 11. Yep. Zeke. We did Zeke. Do it. Kittle. Kittle, all right. 12. Hopkins. Tight end premium. Yep. Kittle, Hopkins, Hopkins Eckler. There's another okay. one. Okay. Uh, Waller. No, ta- no Taylor yet. Let's well, assume you're not in the equation for your second all right. round. 14, 14 is Taylor. Fine. All right. Keep going. Darren Waller making the leap. 15. Aaron Jones, who doesn't have a home. Then, all right. So, Aaron Jones, we're back to Matt. <laughs> Mike, here's your options Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, Cam Akers, your boy, DK Metcalf. I was saying that I was not comfortable with Cam Akers in round two. I was thinking that. I don't know if I'd said it yet, but Cam Akers is looking decent in the middle of round two. Josh Jacobs (laughs) is somebody that I'm looking at in that range. Somebody that I know is going to be a workhorse running back for a team that will let him run plenty and and gives him some scoring upside. So if I didn't take a running back in the first round, I'd probably take one of those guys there. What about the post-hype sleeper? Miles Sanders. I mean, he's just Miles Sanders to be in the equation. All these guys, yeah, Jacobs, Davis. But this is why you take, and this is why we talk about it. This is why you take the receiver and let one of these guys fall to you in the third. You know, it's I might do that twice. Yeah, there, there you go. Exactly. It's you know, if I'm going to draft, I want to be behind Mike so I can get Kelsey every every single time. That's all. <laughs> that's all there is. To I it. mean, Kelsey is amazing, and we'll see if anything happens Sunday, and then maybe after that to change it. But just what a season. I, I know how I am, and I'm going to want to be off him. I mean, he's going to go, especially FFPC, he's going to go, like, middle of the first round. And this year I was all su- sure of myself about that, and, and I should have picked him. In Draft Sharks, I'm on Ertz. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a good team. So, By the way, we're not even talking. Eventually I'll be right. <laughs> we're not even talking about Najee Harris or Travis Etienne yet either. No, and we shouldn't be. No. <laughs> we shouldn't be. Come no. on. No, not that early. Where were they? So I like Atlanta the most for Etienne. Yeah, Atlanta's a great a great spot for second round. That is a great spot. I mean, I'm an Etienne fan. I love him. Matt, are you an Etienne guy? I I've got to catch up on the college guys. I mean, I certainly know him well enough to know that I will like him somewhere. But uh, Matt's yeah, I will like him at some point somewhere. <laughs> yeah, not going on the record. This is the time of year when I catch up on the college guys and realize how I actually feel instead of. Uh, how I've read other people feel. 
There you go. What about Buffalo for FTN? Anyways. Well, that's what we haven't talked about yet is we have not talked about any AFC East running backs because it is a bit of a wasteland for running backs for fantasy right now. So, Mike. I love this question. Mike, how are the AFC East running backs going to come off the board for you in 2021 fantasy drafts? No idea. If, if, if you're right now, think about who will be the first running back on an AFC East team drafted. Who is it? It's really hard. Maybe it's Moss. Maybe it's Gaskin. Maybe it's Damian no. Harris. Yeah. Or, I mean, LaMichael Pirine is not going to be the answer to this. Somebody so, new probably comes in, but who's that? You, you have no idea. Right. It's just like AFC East, except for the Bills, is like gutted right now. It's just those three teams could all be very different. Maybe Gaskin is somebody who gets another year because he was pretty good, and I don't know what else they do. They all have new quarterbacks, maybe. Maybe a Buffalo guy, maybe Moss or Singletary is the, would win in a poll, but it's, a, <laughs> it's just an t- impossible question. You know, so, yeah, not- especially if you made the the poll responders name anybody because they'd have to just go with the Buffalo back because they couldn't name anybody else here. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been polled either. I would love I would love to do that. I haven't been polled. I keep telling people keep telling me, you know, what I like with all these polls, but I've never actually been polled. So I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see a, a poll on the Bills, Bills running backs for to sure. To me, Zach Moss is the interesting guy right now and, and somebody that I will be taking most likely, unless there's somebody else who's excited about him when I do these best ball drafts, because he's not gonna go early. He'll probably go around eight, nine, ten range, but from the way Buffalo used him, especially considering that he didn't do anything special, had some injury issues, it sure looks like they are leaning his way over Devin Singletary as at least the running game leader. And if you just put that in the offense, I'll, I'll let what he's going to become join the equation later. I don't care about that part. All I know is there, there's somebody that they like, and it's in one of the league's top offenses right now. Well, I don't know if you guys are, are hockey fans, but we did a thing on our show for a few years with the Sabres being as bad as they've been, where we draft the opening night lineup. And usually the last three or so rounds out of eight are all guys on other teams. You do it at the <laughs> beginning of the offseason. You're like, I just, you know, I'll just draft somebody who's on another team because I want him and maybe he's a free agent. And I would think New England and probably more so the Jets are both teams that will have somebody new in there. Could be a rookie, could be somebody like an Etienne or a Harris or somebody, or it could be like a Chris Carson, and they're on one of those teams. And like the, the Jets just hired Robert Sala, who's a defensive coach. And I I know I'm stereotyping, but maybe a defensive coach is like, Yeah, let's run the ball. Who do we have? Well, we have Frank Gore, he's 40. Nope. What <laughs> who else do we have? Like, what else can we go get? And, and no coach has ever said that, Mike, by the way, to Frank Gore. No, they always love him. But they maybe him. Carson or Aaron Jones are like, let's spend our money. We have the room, and that's going to be our offense. So, um, again, in a poll, it's just like these these polls on who will be the next – where will Watson go or who will be the next quarterback in Indianapolis. Like, it's you, – you have no idea because it's all the, – the favorite is the guys who are on the team already. Those are the leaders. But I would think at least two teams in the division have somebody else there that's their RB1. And is it – Weird or not weird that you might get, in, especially when it's a running back, Matt, you might get into like rounds eight, nine, or 10 and have an entire division not represented. 
It is. It, if, if this is the running back landscape in the AFC East, then they deserve to not be represented. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so gross. One of these teams is going to add a free agent running back. One of them is going to draw or one of them is draft one. I, I think the Bills should just keep taking the running back in the third round until they hit Alvin Kamara, you know, eventually. So, yeah, I mean, it's, but even if they do, like they don't, they don't they want to have all of them. If they're smart, they won't want to hand the ball to them. That's what I just, yeah, they won't want to hand the ball and they won't want to throw to them. So it's, <laughs> it's, you know, just sling it for, and you know, so I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. The AFC East is a mess. Matt, do you want to know where AJ Dillon's going right now? Cause I know you're a huge, <laughs> much higher than I would take him seven, seven baby. Okay. <laughs> Middle of the uh, seventh. You can have me. Right, right after Moss and Singletary might I add right after them. Uh, so. Jared Smollett says that's too late for AJ Dillon. <laughs> So AJ Dillon versus any AFC East running back is about a push. No way. Dillon for sure. No. I think. Can't wait. I can't wait till next year. Next year starts tonight, I think. <laughs> there you go. I'll see you in there, Matt. <laughs> we gotta end this show so we can get into a draft room right now. That's right. You can take AJ Dillon. All right. That's gonna do it for this championship week edition of the podcast. As we go full sombrero in the show household, head over to draftsharks.com now. See our full projections for championship weekend. You'll also find updated dynasty rankings as well as a dynasty buy, sell, hold report from our guy, Jared Smola. Look for best ball content to follow soon. And then it'll be prospect profile time before we know it. You can find all of us on Twitter. We are at draft sharks. Mike is at show talk. You can ask him about the hat. Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst. I am at Shauf DS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 